Welcome into The Fifth Down. I'm Jerome Solomon, the Houston Chronicle, joined by Jonathan Alexander, who is the beat writer covering the Texans in the NFL for the Houston Chronicle. We talk Texans here this time of the year. Season is over. We'll talk Texans and the NFL big time for sure. Super Bowl week right now. Jonathan is in Las Vegas. I think he just stepped away from the craps table to uh, join me here on the podcast. Yeah. You, you laugh like so. You don't play craps. What is it? Blackjack, poker? No, I don't even. I, honestly, I don't even know how to play craps. I don't know how to play poker. Uh, okay. I don't know how to play any of those games. Really? I'm not a gambler at all, huh? I'm not a gambler at all. I I, I value my money so much, <laughs> and I don't want to lose it. Well, that's, so, well, that's you why you learn me. how to play them so you don't lose it. Uh, of course, you're in Vegas. You see these huge casinos. <laughs> They weren't built on spec. They're built on people's cash. So there's not a lot of winning done in Vegas. I I, I I never bet on sports. It's just I feel weird about that and covering sports and writing about it. Yeah, I feel like I would be so biased toward the team that won or lost me money and the things that I know about the teams. Just I just feel it would feel icky to bet or gamble on sports. And also, and I'm sure you've gotten to win with this too been around too many teams and players and coaches they don't care what they win a game by they just want to win they it's rare that they even talk about the point spread somebody has to tell them hey you know you're a two touchdown underdog or something before they even care it it really doesn't matter like well they don't care about my money i i care about it so i, I need to protect it <laughs> you feel that same way when you're you know especially like in Vegas, everything's about who's betting on who's winning or losing. Those two teams don't care about the point spread. Yeah. Unless they're uh, gambling themselves, which, you know, that is not allowed in the NFL. Yeah. They, uh, they want to win a game. That's, that's all that matters. Yeah. I bet once when I, in 2003, I was um, 13 years old. I bet that the Panthers were going to beat the Patriots. I bet one of my school friends on the bus and lost $13. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know what? Maybe this gambling thing isn't for me. And they had that game won. I was there. That game was here in Houston at, uh, it was then Reliant, but the NRG Stadium. And the Panthers were in control. And you know, the Patriots did what the Patriots do and came through with a last-minute field goal drive to win it. And just a great fourth quarter uh, of that game. That was the, uh, the Janet Jackson halftime. Yeah, I lost thirteen dollars. I had thirteen dollars in my name. <laughs> and lost thirteen dollars that day. So, so and uh, didn't have money to buy uh, any treats or or candy. And I said, you know what, this life ain't for me. <laughs> Jonathan Alexander, <laughs> the hard knock life of a gambling thirteen year old, had to go to school for the next week and couldn't buy any potato chips <laughs> and now laters. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so I'm a less buddy. Lesson learned. I get it. Hey, you're there with the Chiefs and 49ers. It, I, man, the more I uh, just get closer to the game, I'm really feeling that it could be a classic matchup. We'll talk about what we think could uh, go on in the game. But let's 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 dive into the Texans. Uh, not a whole lot of news uh, in the last week, offseason wise, but you were there. The guys have done some Pro Bowl stuff, and you you're there. There are players who are in town there for the Super Bowl. Tell me something about where the Texans are with all the excitement, rookie quarterback and rookie coach who 
could be winning coach of the year, rookie of the year, offensive player, and defensive player of the year, Will Anderson, C.J. Stroud, and D'Amico Ryans. But the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl from the AFC. The 49ers are there from the NFC. How wide of a gap is it from where the Texans are to where the best teams in the NFL are? Yeah, I think it's, I don't want to say it's a significant gap, but it's a pretty sizable gap. When you look at the 49ers and the Chiefs, you know, aside from the fact that they have, both have quarterbacks, the Texans have that. I just think both of those teams are much deeper than what the Texans are. And defense is another thing. Both both the 49ers and the Chiefs have both established dominance on defense at, at certain points. The Chiefs in particular have one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. And I think that's I think that really helped them. Aside from Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, I think that really helped them get to this point because there were times when their receivers were struggling. Um, and the 49ers as well. We all know 49ers probably have the deepest team in the NFL. They have stars on both sides of the ball from Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy to Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Like they, they are star studded on both sides of the ball. Um, but I think when it, when you look at both of those teams and why they are is because aside from the fact that they have great offenses, I mean, great quarterbacks, you know, they have great defenses that can help sustain them when offense becomes tougher in the playoffs. And I think that's what D'Amico recognizes. I think that's why he said at this end of season press conference that he wants to really build this defense line and make them better Um, because he sees how important they know that they can reach the playoffs, but can they win and can they get past that? And I think a a great defense is what's going to help along with a good quarterback. But a great defense is going to help take them and get them over that hump. And that's one of the things that that does stand out. Like if you if you look at it, it's it's it, it's hard to look at it, you know, big picture wise because you get excited about the Texans and how far they came just one season, and it's easy to go, well, wait a minute, the Texans won ten games and let a couple of them get away that they easily could have won. The Chiefs only won eleven games. They're only one game better than the Texans. The 49ers only won 12 games. They're only two games better than the Texans. And the the Chiefs and um, 49ers finished like second and third in points given up, points allowed at like 17 and a half and 17.3 or something for the Chiefs. I think they were second. The Ravens were number one who the Texans lost to. The Texans only gave up 20 points a game. That's That's only three points. Uh, three points is a lot in the NFL, right? <laughs> it, it's hard to go from 10 wins to 13, 12 or 13. It's hard to go from giving up 20 points to only giving up 17. And there's, there's a lot of growth still to be had for this team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think especially when you like get the playoffs, like you, you know, teams, it becomes a lot harder to do certain things. So you have to have multiple ways to beat teams. That's why defense is so premium. Like if you can stop an offense's main option um, and that offense doesn't have other options like the Texans, like the passing game was really the thing that carried them throughout the season. Their running game was good sometimes, but it wasn't, it wasn't good all the time. And I think the Ravens really exploited that. And even uh, when the Ravens played the Chiefs, you know, they they took away the passing game and 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 the Ravens didn't really get going in the run against or they really could beat them with the pass. Uh, 
I just think the the Texans have clear deficits, like in in rushing offense and and on defense and and, and stopping explosive passes and and they were much better at stopping a run, but you know they just still had they're just not a dominant defense. They're a good defense, but they're not a dominant defense, and 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 they need to be a dominant defense. So I think you know, this offseason is going to be super important for them if they want to be able to compete with them, those teams. But I think I still do think it's going to be a process. Like, I think the Texans, if they were to have a good offseason and be able to re-sign a lot of their key pieces, then I think they can potentially take a step forward if they continue to put resources in the defensive line like D'Amico Ryan says he wants to do. But I think they, they're just a couple of ways from being able to compete with the likes of of the Chiefs. And, and the Ravens might even get better. Um, so they, they're, they're still, there's still levels to this that they have to get past. Um, and, and I just, I just think, um, it's going to take a few years before they can probably break, break free, but they can certainly take a step. Yeah. And, and, and you can skip some processes along the way too, but you say the Ravens can get better, you know, the chiefs, the bills, the, the Bengals aren't necessarily going anywhere. Um, it, it's not the, the chargers now that, uh, Jim Harbaugh is a head coach. I mean, there's 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 some action over there in the AFC that's going to make it tough, uh, the toughest conference going forward here probably for the next few years, I would think. Um, you're talking all about defense and the Texans need to improve the defense. And why are you writing stories all up in Chronicle, all on EasternChronicle.com about a wide receiver, Mike Evans, Galveston native, um, the potential of him leaving Tampa Bay because he's a free agent coming home and you're saying it's not going to happen. But why is it, why does everybody want a wide receiver when the defense needs to get better? Yeah. I, I think, you know, anytime and we had this discussion for an hour before we got on the podcast, but <laughs> full disclosure. Yeah. But he, I, I, you see it every year, you know, you know, fans kind of get enamored with the possibilities of what could happen. And, you know, it, a, a lot a lot of it would make sense like he's a hometown guy you know he is a free agent and would like uh and, and it, it makes a lot of sense from that aspect but i think when you dive deeper into it and you talk to the people around him and you look at nick casario's tendencies i just don't think that uh nick casario would likely uh you know make that move like mike evans legit is uh you look at the list of top wide receivers um and how much they make and so Tyreek Hill is at 30 million. Devontae Adams is at 28 million. Devontae Adams signed that contract when he was 30. And and average and with salary cap going up, Mike Evans, who's been a model of consistency, doesn't matter who's been his quarterback, whether it's Baker Mayfield, James Winston, or Tom Brady, has performed at a high level. Um, I just look at him and he could potentially be in that 25 per year mark, maybe Perfect. even higher. And I, yeah, he, I mean, yeah, Devontae Adams got 28, even though, you know, it only takes one team to, to boost it, you know, above where it should be. 25, I think, is the minimum that uh, Mike Evans will, will get. And, yeah. And he'll be, he'll be asking for 30. Yeah. Oh, oh, 100%. That, that range 25 to 30 is, is very, very realistic. And I just think with the, the, as many holes as the Texans have this offseason with more than 30 free agents and Nick Casario's history and where they think they can build in other places and where they want to build. D'Amico Rice has already made it, has already, D'Amico Rice, he'll give you a clue of what he wants to do. 
And he's already said that he wants to invest heavily in the defensive line. And that's where they're likely going to spend their biggest money. I think that the Texans of right now are confident in their wide receivers and they want to likely resign Dalton Schultz. I think they'll spend that money in the defensive line and not so much on Mike Evans, who would definitely help them, but is more of a luxury at this time than he is a need. Understandable. Uh, here's, a, here's a better question for you then. Um, we were talking about where they are and taking the next step. It, it, are there free agent? Is there a particular free agent at any position out there that would help the Texans skip a step or jump farther ahead than they normally would? If, if, even if it's a guy they wouldn't sign or, you know, wouldn't put on their list. Is there a guy out there that like, hey, if they decide to break the bank and sign this guy, they could jump up a couple of notches. It might hurt them down the road, but right now it would be, wow, a big wild move. Yeah, I believe, and I, I don't know if, if they would be able to uh, sign him at this point um, because I think the Ravens have incentive to sign him. But if they can uh, sign Justin Matabuke, I think that's how you pronounce his name, defensive tackle who had 13 sacks uh, this past year, 27, is going to make a lot of money. If they were to somehow invest heavily on him, I think he really changes what the Texans could do because, one, he had, he can get after the quarterback. He's a great run stopper. He was arguably one of their better players on defense this past year. You add him with Malik Collins and potentially Sheldon Rankins. Sheldon Rankins is also a free agent. But if you get a, a three-man rotation, say you get a three-man rotation with those guys, I think they instantly become a much better team and and, and potentially, uh, especially on the defensive line where they made – significant strides of course i think you you also have to resign um jonathan grenard yeah and i think they can get him for a reasonable price at this point and, and, and matabuke would make your he would make your edge rushers that much better because he, he he dominated in the middle and and he, he put he puts pressure on quarterbacks up the middle so he'd be he would quite often be pushing quarterbacks out to your edge rushers who are already pushing in i mean that 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 would be yeah, I'm, I'm sure that would be a line that they would really want to have. It, it, what, is, what is the early talk in that the Ravens aren't about to let him go? Or, or will they franchise him even? Yeah, I think, I think that is, is, a, is a great uh, possibility for the Ravens as far as – I don't think they want to let him go just because he's so def, – defensive linemen and great defensive linemen at that are just so valuable. Like, you don't want to let that guy go. I'm sure they've set aside money to pay him and uh, – Franchise tag is is definitely a possibility for him if they can't resign him, but he would be uh, just a dream for for the Texans. But there are going to be other other guys that the Texans can kind of upgrade um, at that position, and uh, I think obviously that's where you're going to see them kind of target. Um, you feel better about them doing the interior D line uh, free agency or in the draft? Um, I think it really depends. I think. You know, typically with the 23rd pick, you can get a, a day one starter on the defensive line. Um, but he has to grow into the position, too. Yeah. Generally yeah. To Top 10 guys can hit. What, what take about almost all rookies, it's rare that a rookie steps in and is a top pro from the get go. They all kind of like J.J. Watt was the number 11 pick and clearly one of the best players in the draft. And it took him his entire rookie season before he started, you know, doing damage in the backfield 
Um, but if you sign a guy a free agent, you expect him to, to be in the backfield on the first play of the first game, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a little different. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there are other guys that the Texans could get as far as free agents. I think they could, again, I think they could resign Sheldon Rankins and, and maybe draft a guy um, to be a future replacement. You know, maybe that's what they do. Maybe they draft Sheldon Rankins and they draft a guy who can be a rotational guy who will end up developing into that guy to eventually replace Sheldon Rankins or Malik Collins when their contract expires. Um, they also probably don't have a need at cornerback um, again. And I've mentioned this because I don't think uh, Steven Nelson is coming back. Um, so they have a lot of options of what they can do. I think uh, drafting the defensive line makes the most sense, as far, especially when you think of um, D'Amico Ryan's, uh his priorities and where he wants to see this particular team get better and, and what you should draft in the um, first round. Because they also have need at linebacker, but you're not going to draft a linebacker at number 23. Uh, uh, yeah, what you get there is it, the, the value isn't there, and that's one of those the way teams are built type uh, situation. And in that team building, if you mess around and, and can sign, um, uh, you know, a top D lineman free agent, you know, like you said, um, uh, Matabuke, the Ravens, probably not on the table, and he, he's going to cost a pretty penny too, but it will be worth it. Uh, Christian Wilkins from the Dolphins or something. If you, if you get one of those, then you're – your rookie quarterback, if that were the pick that you would make, would have a little more leeway in in developing, et cetera, because your front seven could be really doing some damage. Or your front four, for sure, front four slash fives, depending on how you operate. Um, so that that makes a little bit of a difference. It, it's it's going to be fascinating to see how, how it breaks down. Uh, and teams are still now adjusting their draft boards to see how they rank players and where they where they put them. Uh, give us a quick numbers, right quick again on the Texas pick because they they have one first round pick, but it's not theirs. It's the Browns pick, and that's yeah. number twenty three. And the, yeah, that's what, number twenty three. So, um, you know, I, I know I remember I was talking to a, a GM, and and they feel like the one through sixteen are the elite players, and then there's a little bit of a drop off, you know, after that. Um, but they can still get a quality player. Um, and you know, there's still also options to potentially trade up if they if they want to do that. Um, you know, they have their own second round pick. They got the Eagles third round pick, um, and they got a couple of fourth round picks that they can really cash in and and, and potentially move up. So the Texans can get some good guys. I'm sure they'll want to. Um, free agency will definitely determine what direction they want to go in. Um, because uh, they got to you know sign a lot of guys, and 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 that'll kind of you know that'll that'll figure itself out, but uh, I see them really focusing on that defensive line and 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 potentially getting a, a cornerback as well. Because uh, you know what? Yeah. What are you gonna say? What's next on the on the schedule? Um. Well, next is um. You know, we got the combine coming up. Uh, free agency is March fifteenth. So, um, what is that in? That's in about a month. Uh, combine is later this month and then free agency right after that. So a lot of deals are, will happen after the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe some guys will resign and you got to watch for Jonathan Bernard, who definitely wants a new deal. Um, can they get him? I think I think that'll be a priority for them, to be honest with you. So to sign him before he gets a free agency. Yeah, for sure. Re- okay. uh, and I, I think that'll I think that'll happen because I, I, I know Jonathan Bernard wants to um, come back. Um, 
he only had one huge year, so his market shouldn't be that crazy. Um, and I think they'll be able to resign him for a reasonable, reasonable price. And Dalton Schultz, same similar situation, or is he? Yeah, because he came here on a on a one year prove it deal. Mm-hmm. I'm sure in his mind, thinking, okay, once I go there, then I'll go test the free agent market. But he really liked it here. Yeah, and he was one of CJ's favorite targets, and I'm sure CJ will have some say in and saying like, I, I want him to come back. Uh, you know, I don't think his market is so much over the top that they can't resign him either. I think. You know, they may end up giving him a little bit more money than he made this year. But I think it'll be worth it in the end because he's still relatively young and he's he's a quality uh, tight end who's shown that he can get it done multiple years. So I think he'll also be a, a priority as well. Um, yeah, Schultz is uh, yeah. 27. So, yeah, 27. He's been in the league like what, five seasons. Or he played I think like five seasons with the Cowboys before he, before he came here. And then... This wasn't like a career year for him, but it was it was just another of his really solid seasons, and um, and he dealt with some injuries a little bit as well. Um, and there aren't many, and they didn't. They really only had one. I mean, Brevin Jordan had his best year, but you you still need. I I think there still needs to be improvement as far as the receiving game in that. So I think Schultz is a guy they actually have to sign. They, because, have, they have to have him. Yeah, and I mean it'll be difficult to replace him. Um. Anyway, but um, and so the so they getting ready for the combine, putting that together, and then free agency after that. So we'll be talking about that going forward. This week is the Super Bowl. Um, what what's the feeling there in Vegas? First Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Uh, I just just from a distance, it seems there's a different kind of buzz and excitement there because. There's always some kind of buzz in Vegas anyway, but for the Super Bowl to be there, it's, it's it, I've been there for the Super Bowl. The game wasn't actually there. It's it's got to be kind of crazy. Yeah, they they feel like this might be one of the most watched Super Bowls. Just the opponents and and you got the two two of the best teams in the NFL playing against each other, who have both great fan bases. Uh, I've been talking to um, Chiefs and Forty ers players really about what they think about Texans and. You know, I asked Patrick Mahomes, I said, was there any young quarterbacks who kind of stood out this year? And the first guy he mentioned was C.J. Stroud. So I think really that just goes to show that, you know, C.J. is kind of taking the league by storm. And a lot of people are noticing that he's here and he if he can stay healthy and continue on his path, that he can be one of the greats. And Patrick Mahomes expects to be competing with him. I talked to a lot of 49ers people about D'Amico Ryan's and I'll have stories on this coming later on. And like Jerome mentioned earlier, they're they're up for awards. They, the Texans could potentially sweep offensive, defensive rookie of the year and coach of the year, um, which will be a little bit tough. But I think it's potential. Um, but um, talked to Forty Nine ers people about D'Amico Ryan's, and all all of them said they knew he was going to be a star. It's just his leadership, the way he talked, the way he talks to players, the way they wanted to play for him, just the way he was able to grasp information. He grasped information so quickly, um, and just every, I talked to like five or six people. All of them said the same thing. Uh, so, you know, the Texans hadn't been relevant for a number of years. And, and now they're starting to be relevant and starting to catch people's eyes. And I think that's important. And yeah, it's, um, you, we, you mentioned a couple of times or we, we did here earlier about taking the next step. And, and 
the dangerous thing that I know fans and media get into a lot is like looking at the next year's schedule and going whatever, whatever. Did you all know how good a team is going to be? Even teams that are great playoff teams one year, the next year they fall off and they're, they're nobody and the coach is fired. I mean, you just, you don't know what you have, but the Texan schedule, <laughs> I mean, the, the home schedule, yeah, unfortunately their home schedule is the one. Their home schedule is 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 just loaded. I mean, it's 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 based on what the teams did this year. You know what I mean? The, the Ravens, we already know Texans lost to them twice during the season. The Bills are no joke a team. The Dolphins are the great offense. Um, even though they haven't done well against good teams, the Dolphins can can put it up. Detroit made it to the NFC Championship game, and then of course they got the division that. that the teams from within the division. That's that. That's a fascinating home deal. And they go to the Cowboys. They go to the Packers. To, you know, uh, they go to the Chiefs. They go. It, it, it's it's gonna be. It's what they do this offseason to get ready for next year is gonna be um, important in them trying to take that next step. Um, there's just they mentioned earlier that there's no way to that the Texans will go into next season as one of the AFC favorites, but I'm naming all those teams that tough teams that the Texans have to play. You know what those teams are saying? They have to play a tough team in the Texans. Is that what you get the sense of in talking to the players there? At yeah, Bowl? absolutely. I think they've changed the perception. <laughs> I think one player even said it. It was like, there's no way I expected the Texans to be in that position. Uh, but then D'Amico got there and I, I knew they had a chance. And me even... Even though they expected him to turn around, I don't think they expected it to be like this fast just because of the fact that Texans were very irrelevant in previous years. But they're changing their perception. Like even you look at TV, Texans didn't have any primetime games before that Week 18 game that was flexed. But mm-hmm. this year, you bet you better believe they'll have at least two. They'll and, be all over the place. Yeah, yeah so, I, would, I would expect them to have more than that probably. Even. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, they'll they'll be on prime time a lot in this coming year, and 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 that's because they're changing their perceptions around everybody around the league, around around everybody who's seen them and and seen um, that they have something special in D'Amico Ryan's and, and, and C.J. Stroud. But it won't be easy. They they definitely potentially could have a tough schedule, and and they definitely have to overcome you know this off season and and making sure they resign the right pieces and and, and drafting the right guys too to continue uh where they were where they are cool hey uh before we wrap this one up let's dive into the super bowl patrick mahomes you just don't ever bet against him as he's proven every year he's been in the league basically but this 49ers said that they're they're a tough squad how do you see this game playing out yeah i i think the 49ers have been one of the more deeper squads in the nfl but i've seen them kind of take a step back uh, towards the end of the year, like how they got beat by, by the Ravens showed that they had some weaknesses, uh, you know, how they almost lost to the Packers, how they struggled early to the Lions. I think given the Chiefs experience and how they've heat, heated up uh, recently, how they've continued to got, get better. Um, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey, and that defense just playing well. I think this is a game that the Chiefs may win. Uh, like I picked – um, you know, the Chiefs to beat the Ravens because I just saw that the Ravens were kind of, uh, they would come flimsy against the Texans in that first half. I just think uh, the 49ers have some weaknesses that they just haven't got gotten over. 
that there's been a lot of talk about that effort on defense around that first half against the Lions. And uh, the Chiefs going to beat them down if 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 they have that type of effort again. And I just think no doubt, even yeah. though the yeah, both, both of their playoff win, yeah, both in Forty Nine's player wins by three points, and they were they were in, in trouble in the first half. So big trouble against the Lions most of the game, uh, but didn't play well particularly well in the first half against the Packers. A slow start in this kind of game against a, an experienced team like the Chiefs. And by experience, I mean when your quarterback has been there, head coach has been there. You know, the Chiefs are not going to be overwhelmed by the moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they won't. I mean, they've been through these moments. This is what, their fourth Super Bowl since in the in the past five years? Four five the last years? five years, indeed. Yeah, yeah. so, you know. And and, that, and, and there's, there's an argument that they were kind of bored with the regular season. I mean, they, they knew they were going to win their division. They were, Their season almost doesn't start until January, you know, in a lot of ways. I mean, and they, they had to overcome some stuff and get better and figure out how they were going to do it. I, I do think they were trying to get their receivers up to speed. And then when they figured out, okay, well, they're not going to necessarily be up to speed. We still need to win games. <laughs> you know, we can't hold their hand and figure out just, we just got to get it done. And then they cranked it up for the last couple weeks of the season. And, and in the playoffs, I mean, they, they've been pretty good and they, and, and winning on the road, they had none in previous years. So, this environment won't be something that they are not used to. Um, you know, it'll be like a road game because there are enough Raiders fans who probably have already gotten into uh, the stadium and 49ers have a huge fan base and it's not that far away from Las Vegas. And um, and Kansas City fans, they go to Super Bowl every year. So, so they're not going to show up in droves because they're like, wow, we just the the game of a lifetime. Uh, it's uh, like Dwayne Thomas uh, from the Dallas Cowboys was asked during Super Bowl week, you know, what's it like playing in the ultimate game? He's like, this is the ultimate game. Why do they have one every year? <laughs> you know, so so for, the, for the Chiefs, it's old hat. I do think that'll play in their favor when the game starts. So should be fascinating stuff, man. Yeah, I, I think Chiefs secondary can make things difficult and, and, and the defensive line can make things difficult for Brock Purdy. The 49ers are going to have to rely on Christian McCaffrey. I think if the Texans, I mean, not Texans, if the Chiefs get an early lead on the 49ers and they're really dull, uh, I think they got to, the 49ers have to keep it close and still use Christian McCaffrey um, to stay in it. But I, I just think um, that the Chiefs are going to call, Chiefs defense, Spagnola is going to cause a lot of problems for, for Brock Purdy. And, and I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, can, de- they can definitely, put some uh, covered, because they cover well, the Chiefs do. So that passing game might be a thing. I did see one statistic, and it might be one of those where people are reaching for something to uh, to give the 49ers a better chance. But in that zone blocking scheme, obviously the 49ers are the best in the league at that. Because that's that long hill West Coast offense thing. That's just what they do. And the Chiefs were like next to last in the league in stopping zone running plays. So they're going to get a whole lot of that from McCaffrey. And it is one of those, that West Coast offense, if you're running it and you can run it on, you got to run it on them all day. They'll, they'll never figure out a way to stop it. Uh, but that that will be their only chance. Hey, man, thanks a lot for joining us and stepping away. From, oh, that's right. You quote unquote don't gamble. Well, nightclub action. I mean, you, you have to do something in Vegas, but playing golf, you, you don't play golf either, right? 
Uh, I mean, I play golf. I just don't have my clubs, but uh, I play a little bit of golf. My dad loves loves golf. He's a bit he's big into golf. So yeah, I might 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 enjoy some good dinners with some uh, talented journalists over here. But other than What's that, no gambling for me. Right, and, and put put a round of golf on the Chronicles tab, man. I'll do that. You can rent some clubs while you're out there. The great courses in Las Vegas. That's Jonathan Alexander, the beat writer for the Houston Texans at the Houston Chronicle. He covers the NFL as well. I'm Jerome Solomon. Thanks to Pioneer Audio for producing this episode. And we will see you next week post-Super Bowl on the 5th down. <laughs>